Hello and welcome to the TBG Real Estate Podcast, where we connect you with some of the most innovative and exciting real estate leaders today. We will show you that there are numerous paths to a successful career in the real estate industry, and that some of your greatest missteps can be turned into your greatest triumphs. Without further ado, here's the head of TBG Real Estate, Chris Papa. All right, folks, welcome to the TBG Real Estate Podcast. I am your host, Chris Papa. Senior Managing Director of TBG Real Estate. And today we are speaking with Lucas Eastwood. He is the founder and president. Any more any other titles you have? I think that's it. I mean, if <laughs> something else comes up throughout this, I'll make sure to mention it. <laughs> He's the founder and president of Eastwood Development in San Francisco. How you doing, Lucas? Great. Thanks for having me on. Good morning. Good morning and good afternoon. Well, it's morning for us. And you, where are you right now? I'm in uh, San Francisco. Uh, my office is in the Mission. How is San Francisco today? Well, typical summer day, 60s and foggy. <laughs> awesome, Wear man. layers. What? Wear layers. That's the key. Yeah. I've been here eight and a half years, and I'm still surprised. It still shocks me every time. Well, you got a great background. I mean, you you're doing some amazing work here in in San Francisco with some high-end single-family residences. But let's start from the beginning because I know you just didn't, you know, show up in San Francisco and all of a sudden just start making this, you know, creating a, a business. Where were you born? Where did you grow up? All that kind of stuff. Sure, sure. Yeah, so I've been in San Francisco since 2005, so about 14 years now. I grew up in Eastern Oregon on the Umatilla Indian Reservation, which is up in Eastern Oregon. I think my high school graduating class was was 50 people, so pretty rural, <laughs> not a lot of folks, not a lot of exposure to real estate in the in the sense that you and I know it today. We've had people Didn't come, see, we've had people on this podcast from Africa, from Israel, from where else? Some other countries. No, this first one from an Indian reservation, so that's pretty cool. Oh. Well, I'm glad to uh, I'm glad to be here. Thank you, thank you. I hope I'm not your only guest ever from an Indian reservation, but I'm certainly happy to <laughs> we'll happy to happy to be one. Happy to be repping the res. Yeah, and so how did I mean? Did you have an entrepreneurial bug growing up, or, or just kind yeah, of yeah, for uh, sure? We didn't have a lot of money, and I always really knew that. You know, I always noticed that I didn't have the right kind of the right kind of shoes or uh, the right kind of car, or, you know, the stuff that I that I wanted. So it was sort of driven by a little bit of a maybe like a materialistic sort of drive. And and I figured out very early on ways to work for myself, put a few bucks in my pocket so that I could have those things or experience those things. And so uh, I was always hustling for money, whether that was cutting firewood for a neighbor or cleaned houses for people pay me a few bucks to, to come in and clean somebody elderly's house. So anything I could do to make a buck, I started doing sort of as early as I could, I could sort of make that connection. So probably 10, 11, 12, sort of in that range. Thanks. You had a, yeah. like a fire with a fire within to do something, right? And it, all I've done is, is stoked it over the years. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty driven by, by deals, by making deals and making things happen and trying to generate 
revenue in, in one form or another. And so when I was 19 after high school, I didn't have great prospects for an education because essentially I didn't get recruited for any sports. So I wasn't going to go to college. And so I joined the military and spent four years doing that. Uh, I joined on September 4th, 2001. So (laughs) my timing was not great. And I spent the next four years. I was with the 82nd Airborne in the Army. So I spent four years deployed to a bunch of different countries, uh, Iraq, Afghanistan, even spent a little time in, in Pakistan and Syria, Wow! which uh, was quite an experience. But the one, the one thing I can think of is, is doing all that deployment and all that travel really made the four years go by in, in a flash. Mm-hmm. Before I knew it, I was out and didn't have much of a plan when I got what out. What were you doing in the military? Uh, I was a jumping out of planes? paratrooper. Yeah, but learned really no technical skills. Um, no real job skills while I was in. And uh, so came out and had an uncle who was living here in San Francisco. And he basically offered me a, a job as a, as a construction laborer. So he was sort of a carpenter contractor guy. And I went to work for him back in 2005 uh, and lived with him for a little bit when I moved here. And yeah, he said, I'll pay you the same that I pay, you know, the day laborers. And that was $100 a day plus lunch. And that's sort of how I got started. Did so, you have any experience in construction before that? Very little. I'd done a little bit of carpenter's helper type stuff, you know, during the summers, things like that. But, but very little experience. And what were you working on when, when you were doing this with your uncle? Yeah, so he was working for a guy who was flipping single-family homes. And so we were doing, you know, kitchen remodels, bathroom remodels, you know, cosmetic projects on residential construction. And uh, my uncle ended up leaving uh, the area and sort of quasi-retiring. And so I was here in 2007 when he left and sort of was at a jumping-off place and thought, okay, I can, I can sort of either do this for myself or go work for somebody else or, you know, mm-hmm. maybe try to go back to school or try something different. And, and I ended up just sort of at that point deciding that I wanted to start my own construction firm and, um, and did that. So you, I mean, and, so you really started from the ground up. I mean, you were just learning, you know, it was a job for you at first, right? And then somehow wherever this entrepreneurial bug that you, or fire kind of took over, right? And you're like, hey, I can, I can do this for myself. Yeah. What's like the yeah. first. What's the first step from like for doing that? Like when you did. It, I mean, there's a lot of people I think out there that are have a job, working for somebody, and they're like, man, I wish I could do this for myself, but they never take that step. I mean, what is it? Just like not giving a shit, or like, or is it like just total faith in your ability? I think it's a kind of a combination. I don't know if it was faith in my ability, but I think that it was sort of. Uh, an innate desire to be self-sufficient. So that's really, and not necessarily have to work for somebody. And I guess that's what I mean by, by self-sufficient. And um, it was one of those things that, that I look around at my peers and I look around at people that I, that I know and that are starting in the business. And the one thing that I had was hustle. And so, yeah, I was working, you know, nine or 10 hours a day at a job, but then 
every night I would go home and I would figure out how am I going to hustle work for myself for the following week. So it was like calling people, talking to neighbors, uh, Craigslist was big. I put an ad on Craigslist and said, I will do anything. I will change out your water heater. I will build your Ikea furniture, you know, (laughs) and I developed a reputation, you know, over the few, over a few years of, of being somebody with integrity and yeah, but I, but I was always putting myself out there and as afraid as I was always willing to sort of take a chance on taking that next step. So whether that was getting a contractor's license or going out and, and bidding a job that frankly, I didn't know how it was going to work out. You know, I, somebody would ask me for a number and I'd say, okay, well, I'll try to figure this out. I've never put siding on a house and changed out all the windows before, but sure. And I would try it. And, and usually I would put a bunch of homework and tension into, into those decisions. And, uh, and they generally worked out and a lot so of you stuff want, didn't work You got out. your contractor license? That was the, in 2007. That, that was like the next, yep. That was the next step of uh, of your career of your trajectory here. Correct. Kind of doing the, Correct. the Craigslist thing, and then you're like, "How do you get your contract? How do you get that license?" I don't even know. Yeah. Well, um, I didn't either. Um, so <laughs> I just asked around, and uh, and I found uh, a program. You pay like at the time you paid 500 bucks for it, and it was Contractors State License School or something like that. And I signed up for a for a, for sort of a school and they sent you uh they sent you a bunch of CDs um you know for your younger listeners I don't I don't know if you know what those are but um they sent you a <laughs> bunch of CDs with study material on them um and then you know you sort of did like a weekend crash course prepping for the prepping for the test so you know I wasn't completely proficient in in necessarily being a general contractor and I think a lot of people maybe aren't you don't there's a lot of stuff you don't learn in the field about running a business um but there are programs out there that'll teach you that stuff at least teach you to a point where you can you can pass a test i mean a lot of it you learn by doing yeah so that allows you to be a a contractor yep okay cool so what did you do with that license well, I thought a contractor's license would automatically make me a, a successful business person, but it turns out it did not. <laughs> and I continued to hustle for several years and yeah, continued to sort of build on that reputation. And, and this was a small town, you know, and word of mouth was, was probably my, um, probably my number one growth factor was, was, you know, mm-hmm. people paying attention to what I was doing and not willing to, and being willing to sort of share my name with, with their friends, colleagues, coworkers, things like that. And um, yeah, the phone started to ring eventually. And the jobs that I was doing, were you doing, you were working on, you were doing your own stuff now, you were doing your own stuff and you were working on like, besides like the Ikea furniture and stuff and chain of water here, you were doing some some rehab work on your own or what? what Yeah. Yeah. Very, very light rehab work. And I lost a lot of projects because I didn't have the requisite experience. So I would go in and say, Hey, yeah, I can do a third floor addition. And I'd say, well, have you done one? And I would be like, well, no, but I can figure it out. You know, so I lost a lot of projects like that. But, you know, eventually, you know, there's always that person who sort of takes sort of a leap of faith. And and so projects started to get bigger and people started to trust me with bigger projects. And and I started to sort of, you know, hire people and hire subcontractors who knew how to do the things that I didn't know how to do, but I could manage the finances and manage to find the client. And I would get somebody else to do the work. So I probably started hiring folks back in 
2008 or 2009, you know, that knew how to do the stuff that I didn't. So I'm, I'm one of these people who, to this day, very much understand that my success is dependent on a lot of people um, who actually know how to do the work. You know, there's a lot of stuff I can't do, particularly now at the size of my business. There's a lot of stuff I can't personally do. And so I rely very heavily on a team and a lot of people who have a lot of great skills in areas where I don't necessarily. So I started to build that team and I started to build the business. And then I was doing a project out in the sunset for this family and we were sort of casually talking about real estate. They said, well, if you ever find a piece of real estate, you know, and want to invest or do a rehab and sell, you know, let us know. And uh, a couple months later, I found that piece of real estate. And I think this was 2010. And um, I found a, a house. Yeah. Was, it, was San Francisco was pretty a, distressed then? Um, yes and no. I, I think is, is, you know, I didn't know the market at all before it. So when I came in, it just mm. seemed normal. In hindsight, yeah. Um, there, were, there were a lot of, a lot of homes that had been foreclosed on. Uh, people had gotten over leveraged. And I had a friend who was, who was sort of buying foreclosures. And so he bought one and, and offered to sell it to me. And I went back to these people, clients who said, Hey, if you ever want to invest, let us know. And, you know, they ended up staking me and saying like, okay, well, we'll put in a million bucks. And, and at that time, my, you know, what I'd it'd taken me about five years to save up $50,000. And, and I said, okay, I'll put in my 50K and you put in your million and we'll buy this thing and mm-hmm. we'll take out a loan and we'll remodel it and we'll sell it. And that's exactly what we did. And so that was in, say, 2011, 2012. And that project was really successful. And so when that sold and I, I gave my partners their cash back and I gave them their, mm-hmm. you know, their return and, and I took my portion of the return and basically... It developed a model raising cash from from outside investors and putting a little bit of my my skin in the game and sort of buying and developing houses in the city. Mm-hmm. And where did you find that um, first deal? Just kind of ran into it, or just yeah, it was just a friend of mine. It oh no, you said you said your buddy, yeah, yeah, your buddy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So um, yeah, he he flipped it to me. He made a few bucks for sort of holding onto it for a few weeks while I could get my finances together. And, and, um, yeah, and that, that gave me sort of seed capital to, to continue doing projects. Mm-hmm. And then tell me about the team you built that, like, how did you find these people? Did you... Again, mostly, mostly word of mouth. I think a lot of what I've done is, is, has been through community. Um, and it's grown very, very organically and I failed a bunch. I have hired and recruited a bunch of people that are not a fit uh, over the years and mm-hmm. sort of being willing to identify that relatively early and do one of two things and sort of move on from them or, or sort of invest in, in training them or in, in sort of finding a role that they are good at within my team. So it's been a lot of trial and error, but it's, it's been mostly, mostly word of mouth. You know, we do use job posting platforms, things like that, because we're always growing, but Mm-hmm. I'd say 80% of it is, is through relationships. So you were still doing the, the, the contracting stuff and then on the side, you're kind of doing this house flipping, right? Is that, is that how it was? Yeah, that's exactly or how did. it was. Yep. And, and every year the ratio shifted. So, you know, year, year one, I was doing, you know, 90% contracting work for folks and then 10% was doing my own, 
my own development projects and and mm. that shifted each year and i continued to do more and more real estate development projects and my network of investors grew and my access to real estate grew and and my knowledge of the market grew and and you know i do a lot more real estate development now but we still do a couple client jobs every year so probably two to three projects you know high end projects we will we will do for for clients and these are people i usually know personally on some level so you know we still do a few of them but mostly it's mostly it's real estate development so how did you start finding like the property after after this one did you just like you did a pro- you did one project and all of a sudden property started coming to you or did you have to go out and start networking with brokers or how do you get these properties or how did you at the first yeah, time, I think, over time I think I think a, a lot of it to this day even the off market stuff a lot of it happens through the brokerage community so I'm I'm very very reliant on on that community and and very involved with you know a handful of brokers and you know try to do business very very fair with them and and try to be a client who does exactly what he says he's going to do and he says he's going to do it so that they continue to bring me uh, opportunities because there's certainly a lot more people looking for opportunities than there are deals to be had um, you know so trying to stay competitive by just being a person of integrity I think has has gone a long way but yeah and then you know the stuff falls into your lap you know you just sort of create momentum so for example um, I have a property a, a half a block from my office and I just happened to be in the right place at the right time when I heard somebody was selling and it was these two women from Texas who had inherited the property and they had no interest in a, you know, trying to get it ready for market and put it on the market. And so I happened to be, you know, just in the right place at the right time and was able to buy it without having to go to market or deal with any brokers or anything like that. So, so stuff just sort of, stuff sort of happens organically. As, um, I think as, as you, as you progress in this field, I bought a neighbor's house more than once, you know, a neighbor to a project that I was working on, somebody in the vicinity who wanted to sell. Uh, and this is just by having coffee shop, coffee shop conversations. You know, I've managed to find real estate that way as well. But at first, was it hard to ask for money or go out and try to raise money? Yes and no. I mean, my very first transaction, it was, it was essentially the money was offered to me. Um, mm-hmm. So in that sense, no you know, fast forward five years and, and now I have a network of investors and, and people that I've just gotten to know through being in the business. And yeah, sometimes, sometimes it is really hard. And I think what makes it difficult is not every deal that I do is necessarily, you know, inspiring to my investors. I don't, it's not always dollars and cents. I think that what we've done is we've created, you know, we've created a brand name we really focus on uh, being very selective with the with the properties that we that we repurpose and sell, you know. And I think my my investors are sort of they're bought in on that. They, they like doing these projects because they like the type of project that they're turning out. So some of it relies on 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 being able to inspire and motivate my partners and investors. Um, and yeah, there is a portion of people who look at dollars and cents. And I think that the dollars and cents argument at this point in my career is pretty easy to make. Um, mm. But yeah, there have been some really challenging times where, um, 
you know, I keep having to go out to new partners and, and make new relationships until I'm able to able to sort of put the capital together. Or was there like an emotional hurdle, like trying to like go out to your family and friends and say, Hey, and there's got a lot of responsibility with other people's money too. Like if, you know, especially if it's like people, you know, I think it would, might be even, I just, I'm just thinking if I went out and say, Hey, I'm doing this project and I'm looking for, you know, a hundred, 200, $400,000. And then it's like, Oh shit, that's a lot of, it's a lot of money for me. A lot of some of these people. And, um, it's a lot of responsibility. Did you have any sort of hurdle, like emotional, mental hurdle, like asking for that money? Yes. I think, first of all, I always feel grateful for people, you know, sort of entrusting me in that way. I do try to tell people that there is, there's certainly risk, but I always figure, you know, if, if, if I do my job and completely transparent about what I'm doing with your, with the money that you've entrusted me with, yeah, I mean, there, it is a lot of responsibility. I have had moments, I have had projects that haven't gone very well, uh, but my partners have seen the way I've handled it when it hasn't gone very well. And I think that I've just mm-hmm. I've sort of built trust that way. But yeah, there, there, there's a lot of nights where I lay there, you know, awake because something's not happening the way it's supposed to. And I think, oh my goodness, how am I going to tell my partners that this is, this is, this is happening and this may not be what we thought it was going to be. And, you know, more times than not, they've, they've been more than understanding. And I'm just, I, I'm, I'm willing to have those difficult conversations, but yeah, I mean, this is a, <laughs> it is a big responsibility. It does make me very nervous at times and I do lose a fair amount of sleep over it at times and projects aren't going particularly well. Yeah. What does the business look like now? So we have about 12 projects on the books in San Francisco. And mm-hmm. those range from, you know, like a high-end single family home that's 3,500 plus square feet. So we have a couple of those. We have a handful of, of, of two unit buildings, you know, new construction. Um, we have a, 15 units that we're working on in the mission and uh, we just got into contract for nine unit uh, it's five five lots of Bumpetrero Hill that we're going to develop into eight condos and one single family home so you know there's sort of a broader spectrum of of residential projects um, but they're all you know they're all 100% residential they're all you know sort of in the not high, high end, but, but they're, you know, they're all in, in sort of the high end market and they're all projects that we feel really good about because we can do something special or something unique or something of, of high quality. You know, we're not, we're not sort of watching the dollars and cents or, or watching the days on the calendar, you know, as closely as we might have to if say we were, you know, doing some, some quicker flips. And we've also started a holding company um, where we're, we're buying rental assets in the in the smaller residential uh sort of sector as well you know single family two units four units properties like that and that's sort of a different that's sort of a different entity and a different setup but that's something we started to do about two years ago so we're sort of the same guys and gals that we were seven or eight years ago we just have a few more projects and a few more team members now but we're, we're still sort of in the same marketplace doing the same things what do you see yourself doing or the company doing over the next you know five years or so? Where do you, where do you want to take, take it, keep going in San Francisco? I mean, I think San Francisco, I always hear San Francisco is extremely hard to, to build on, build in. How did you 
maneuver through that? How are, how are you able to do that? Well, it's a, it's a, it's a, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm slowly maneuvering through it. It's, it's really challenging. The cost of construction is, is up and, and, you know, it is, it's getting harder and harder to build and seismic code and fire code and, and noise ordinance and environmental. And it's just, there's a lot of challenges to, to even get, a, you know, a stamp set of drawings that you can build from, from the city. And then after that, it's, it's, it's finding the workforce to actually do it. But at this point, I think we're, we're, we're established enough that, you know we're gonna we're gonna be able to 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 do it. And I think we're gonna be able to navigate it. And I figure the the longer I stay in it, you know, the more I'm gonna learn and the better I'm gonna get at it. So while it's it's hard to do, my company's becoming hopefully more efficient and 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 learning learning a, a workaround. But I think the key is to just sort of stay stay nimble and and continue to 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 be willing to take feedback and look at how you're doing what you're doing to see if there's uh, a better way. Mm-hmm. But where do I see myself in five years? Think yeah, do, probably doing the exact this. same thing. You know, my, my home is here. I have, I have three kids here. I'm I'm uh, involved in my community, and um, I don't I don't. This is home right now. So, and I don't I don't necessarily have a desire to to move into a different market or or move into you know I, commercial. I I like building homes for people. At the end of the day, I'm I'm a builder. That's how I got started, and that's what keeps me inspired. Is seeing the building go up from out of the ground. I mean, that's really what makes me tick. So the the as long as that inspires me, I, I I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. Awesome, man. Amazing story. What do you what would you recommend to somebody who is just got out of college or high school or something like that and wants to get into real estate and wants to be the next Lucas Eastwood, you know, have a, have a grow the, build their own company. What would you recommend the, the first step be? Call me up. Yep. I'll, I'll, I'll hand a whole, <laughs> I'll put a whole bunch of stuff in your lap, but no, I, I mean, I, I mean that sincerely, but I also think that I couldn't have learned to do this without the help of others. And without mm. without asking for help and asking for people's time, and uh, and and hustling. So I've had a lot of people reach out to me over the years just for a coffee or for a job maybe or for a question about real estate. And I've always been willing to help. And I think there's a lot of other people out there who feel the same way, sort of not being afraid to to, to pick up the phone or, or shoot over an email to people who are doing what you're doing. Uh, what you want to be doing. I'm sorry, not being afraid to reach out to them and certainly being willing to take no for an answer over and over again and, and realizing that, that those no's they're, they're not, it's not about you. You know, they're not saying no to you sort of like just, just opening yet another door for you with somebody else or a different opportunity down the line, you know, and, and being willing to work really, really hard, especially in a city like yeah. this, you know, I, I'm glad, I guess, that, that I don't have to hustle the same way the same way I used to. You know, it was it was really hard staying up most nights, networking or, or trying to figure out a way how to do something because you were gonna have to do it the following day. You know, I I just not being afraid to do that though to work through the night and work through the weekend. I think is I think is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, I mean, what what mentors? I mean, are there a couple? Is there a mentor that kind of helped you? I mean, it sounds like your uncle kind of got you in the at least the, the construction business, was there some people along the way who helped you kind of build this or gave you guidance along the way for uh, building your development business? 
Yeah, I think that there, there's been a lot of people along the way that I don't, I don't necessarily see. I didn't ever really see somebody doing exactly what I'm doing now. Not that they're not out there, but I, I don't personally have a lot of connections with, with them or didn't while I was well, I was sort of growing, but yeah, there was a lot of builders that I that I looked up to uh, and that I spent a lot of time talking to, a lot of folks in the real estate community uh, as well. So I think I've I've had a lot of a lot of mentors in a lot of different a lot of different industries have spent a lot of time and a lot of energy with me that I'm 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 really I'm really grateful for, and that's why I'm I'm sort of willing to to do that for the the next person who's coming up. But yeah, it hasn't necessarily been one person, but it's been a lot of a lot of builders and a lot of real estate professionals that I that I still look up to. There's builders out there who do things that blow me away, and I think to myself, God, I'd love to be doing that. You know, it's awesome. Any any books you recommend? I know you got three uh, kids, am, so you probably don't have much I time. I am, but I don't I don't read a lot of stuff that's necessarily finance or real estate or construction specific. So How about like, I, a, like, I, like business business related or like mindset. Um, I pay attention to the news. You know, I, I always have ever since I was I was in the military. I started reading, you know, news publications, and I and I do. I read a lot of Wall Street Journal and and New York Times, and really just try to stay up on on what's happening in our in our in our world. You know, and and sort of trying to take that information in and apply it to 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 what I'm doing today. But yeah, in terms of a, a manual or things like that, I, I you know, I don't, I've never really, that I can think of off the top of my head, I've never really read anything that was sort of yeah. dedicated to the industry that I work in. Gotcha. How do people get a hold a lot of you? Of manuals, website? A lot of IKEA manuals. A lot of IKEA manuals. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. IKEA manuals are all the worst. <laughs> yeah. 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 They make it look so easy. Um, you can get a hold of me. Um, our website is Eastwood SF as in San Francisco. So E-A-S-T-W-O-O-D-S-F as in San Francisco.com. And you could probably just Google me, Lucas Eastwood or Eastwood Development. Uh, would love to hear from you. Lucas, you're a great guy. You've built an amazing business. And uh, yeah, go people, please check out his website. Go uh, drive by some of his projects. They're, they're awesome. Thanks for your time, man. Thank you, Chris. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the TBG Real Estate Podcast. Please visit us online at tbg-realestate.com or on Instagram at tbg.realestate. Until next time, have a great week.